on this episode of AV Week, what AV pros need to know about the AV over IP market getting back into the house of worship safely and Exertus rebrands globally. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 477, recorded Friday, October 9th, 2020. Monitor and manage. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by Crestron. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, Corey Schaefer from QSC. Welcome, ma'am. Hey, good to be here again on the old AV Nation. Uh, yeah, and if you're if you're not watching the video, Corey has a brand spanking new QSC background. So uh, yeah, absolutely, that's fancy. Somebody somebody helped you. That that was that. It's fancy. Yeah, uh, I need to get somebody. Um, uh, the other fake background. I'm going to save Giovanni because he's the only one with the real one. Uh, <laughs> David Silverstein from D10. It's overlooking Hi, Central everybody. Park. Little Central Park shot because yeah, uh, you know, why not? It's pretty cool. All right. And I yeah. Uh, last but not least, Giovanni uh, Agramonte uh, from Art Media, who has a real background of his real backyard. So, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm well, sir. Thank you for having me here today. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, let's kick this off with our with our first uh, story. It comes to us uh, from our friends uh, over at um, AB uh, Magazine. Exertus has. Uh, well, Stampede, uh, which is a distributor here in the in the states, has um, was purchased by Exertus a number of years ago. Exertus, though, is is coming out and they're rolling out uh, as Exertus globally. Um, what what that means is that anybody that they owned, uh, whether that was in Australia, whether that was in the UK, or obviously here in the states, they're going to be all known as as, as Exertus here. Uh, Agamani, I'm, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, when when it comes to talking about or dealing with um, any company, whether it's a distributor, whether it's a, a manufacturer, um, what have you, does, does the, the name change uh, really impact, you know, who you deal with on a day-to-day basis or is it from, from your standpoint, you know, it's just a name change regardless and it, it, we just kind of go on doing business with a, just a different name? Um, I think it depends on how the staff assimilates the name change. Some people may fall in love with a particular brand and it'll be more challenging for them to make the transition because also with the name change, you could also have cultural change within the operations of the company. So it all depends on how the name change is implemented, how it's um, shared with the people who are being absorbed and how they're um, coached as to what's about to happen with them and their position, because people often get worried when a name change happens. The first thing they think about is, is my job on the line? Yeah. So it all depends on how I'm going to jump in and just say, 
you know, I think branding, what I see happening with them is it's the branding. They're, you know, they've done these acquisitions. And so now they're trying to come together as one cohesive brand. And I think branding is more than a name change. And that's what I read into it. it it's not just a name change. It's, it's making sure that values are aligned, the culture of the organization is aligned, how they service customers, et cetera, is aligned. I mean, hopefully, as they do branding. Name changing is really, uh, when you do a name change or a brand uh, change, it's difficult if you're not thinking of it all the way through. And I'm just going to throw one out there that happened, you know, well over a year ago. And I question how effective it is. And it's Polly, right? Because every single time I see communication from Polly, it has in parentheses, former uh, Plantronics Polycom, you know, so I'm wondering, like, uh, why do they have to keep explaining that, you know, and, um, you, you know, so I, I, I kind of question when you do a brand change, how, how long do you have to kind of carry the, the legacy, the heritage along with you, you know, um, and there needs to be a full brand um, uh, initiative and not just a name change. Mm -hmm. I would totally have to agree with that. Let me, uh, in this particular case, I think the change was well warranted because in today's world, our customers operate throughout the world, which means our dealerships operate throughout the world. So what we're talking about is now a global distributor where I know that my European office is going to buy from the same entity that buys from the US that buys from Asia Pack, right? So for that reason, I think it was a brilliant idea to do the name change and make everything consistent for people. Yeah, It's just mm -hmm. a lot easier to handle, right? A name change, why Polly changed their name, for example, that's more just a name change. This was very strategic. It's branding, it's identification, and it's to support the worldwide dealer base that's now out there with so many people operating in so many other countries. Well, hang on for a second, though, David, because Polly's name change wasn't just a name change. They got purchased by Plantronics. Yes, right. They was... got purchased by Plantronics, and that—that that was. This is my two cents and, and and my opinion only. It was Plantronics trying to make sure that the the pro AV and the, and the, the the UC space didn't think that Plantronics was doing away with Polycom, right? Mm -hmm. so, because if you if you I mean Plantronics was was is the older of the two companies they they've been around since the late fifties early you know, early sixties and they've got a long technically a longer track record especially in in the headsets and the communications uh, telecommunications market so that one was was curious has uh, has been curious to me for two years yeah um so that was that 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 was more you know kind of aligning I guess or or bringing two companies together I don't know that one was. Yeah. It's still well, curious to me a little bit. There, there's an old adage that when two companies merge or come together, in the background, the winner become is decided by who stays as CEO between the two companies, who keeps the name between the two companies, and who keeps the headquarters location between the two companies. Well, mm. if, if that's if that if all of those, if that's the thing, then I would say everything but the name is Plantronics, right? Exactly. That, that's who won that. Yep. But the name still, you know. Was, yeah, right. That is interesting. All right. Uh, let's kick it around here uh, to another uh, story we've got here from our friends over at Commercial, um, Commercial Integrator. Eight 
AV over IP market trends that installers need to know. Uh, taking a look at what um, not only the, the folks at Commercial Integrator uh, we're talking about also, um, this is really from a, a survey that they did, uh, getting their, their listeners and their, their readers uh, feedback. One of the things that I found interesting, and David, we'll start with you on this, talking about, you know, um, most folks have, have at least um, ready, they're ready to get AV over IP, right? They're, they're, they're understanding it, they're, they're, they're grasping it, but the deployment's not there yet. Uh, and when you look at this, you know, when it comes to uh, tradi tr replacing traditional video distribution, right, whether that's single classroom here or it's, it's building-wide or, or campus-wide, when you look at, at, at stats like that that say, you know, yes, our, our clients are ready, they're, they're at least willing to have that conversation, but the deployments aren't there yet, the, the, the actual installs aren't there yet, what does that say to you? Um, I think that what, what that says to me is they're doing exactly what the market is dictating. So if we talk about the anybody who talks about the market right now, everybody's talking about small conference rooms, huddle rooms, little tiny spaces, as opposed to large scale, 20 classrooms all connected together with a matrix switch in the middle. Most people aren't building that kind of infrastructure anymore. And the key about AV over IP is when it scales the more endpoints you have, the more affordable AV over IP becomes. There's plenty of technology, HD-based T and others, that allow you to do single point-to-point -point dedicated solutions or point to a couple of points, et cetera. And the price difference between that hardware-based switching solution and a network-based switching solution is not that much of a difference. So why make the change? Only when you go to those larger pieces do you actually see the cost savings. And that's really the key that I think we're running into today. I in the long in the long term, is the network you know network going to take over everything? Yeah, probably. Oh, I. I, I'm of the opinion of the network is going to take over everything. And I'm also, uh, you know, thinking about this, preparing for this discussion, I feel like in AV, we still have so far to go in speaking this language, right? Because the decision maker very much is IT, but yet we still aren't speaking their language. We still spend too much time on HDMI versus, you know, talking about the security, you know, um, uh, and what we're doing on our ports and, you know, what's open and why they're open and speaking to that IT customer. But I feel mm -hmm. like to get this to really go, we have to go more into their space. And we also need to be talking less about our AV speak and these rooms and talk about how they can monitor, manage, update, etc. the things that IT people really care about and being able to access things, you know, remotely, being able to push updates and see things because today they see their endpoints, uh, you know, that are on the network and often now they're also seeing USB endpoints, but they're not seeing IP endpoints. And that's what we can bring to them when we can start speaking their language. I definitely agree. And what I have noticed with the trend is that more IT companies are now entering the space of AV because they're already providing the infrastructure for the data to go back and forth. And with them providing now AV on top of what they already provide, managed services of different um, types, it just seems to make everything work more seamless and cohesive in one space. The challenge that I've noticed is that, because I know a few IT people, they, um, 
they don't want to manage audio video. That to them is, is a foreign thing, but they understand that those peripherals and those devices need to go through their network so they deal with it. But they're not really um, excited about that. So that's I think how we take, I think we make it too complicated for them. You know, I mean, just kind of everything about it. You know, we talk about the secret sauce, how complicated it is, et cetera, mm -hmm. when we should be thinking about how do we make it easier and what kinds yes. of hooks do they want and why do they want versus trying to keep talking about how special it is. Our spaces are the high value spaces. Uh, we should be helping them monitoring, manage and update them. And as, mm -hmm. as any industry gets larger, people will break off and become specialists in certain areas. You know, if you look at the medical industry, there are lots of different specialties all over the place, but everybody's a doctor and they all know the basics of talking to each other. Mm -hmm. If I apply that to the world, the IT world we're in today, in essence, we are the plastic surgeons of the IT world. We make people look good. We make people sound good. That's what our job is. But we also have to understand and be able to speak doctor, the yeah. basics of doctor. And if we can do that, they will accept us as the plastic surgeons because they don't want to be a plastic surgeon. They want to be a heart surgeon. And believe Agreed. me, I don't want my heart surgeon doing my plastic surgery. And I don't <laughs> want my plastic surgeon doing my heart surgery. <laughs> so let me ask a very hard question. Um, to any of the three of you and something that Corey said there, she said, you, we, we talk about our secret sauce um, and we have to make it easier. Is some of the reason that we don't, and I say we as the Royal, we, the, the industry is for job security. You know, we, we, we being, you know, sound engineers, video engineers, programmers, yeah. Yeah. Um, we like to keep our magic in our bag and put it, you know, in our back pocket because nobody else can do what we do, quote unquote, uh, is the reason that we are making it and keeping, keeping it hard maybe is, is out of fear to, to make sure that we still have jobs. I would agree that the reason why most do it is because of fear. However, my approach with regards to our industry has always been to share my experience with the people that are coming behind me, not to hold on to it, not to hoard it. This is not more special and you won't be able to touch this. No, my thing is teaching them how to do it so that I could remove that type of anxiety out of my system. And my belief, which is just mine, if I share this information with others and empower others, that's already pushing me away from that level. And it's allowing me to now become more open to things that are ahead of me that I can't see at that moment. I love sharing the information and teaching because we're not gonna take this with us to the grave and the technology continues to improve every few months. Yeah. So holding on to this thing, that's not how you're really gonna make it. You're gonna make it by imparting your wisdom on others, those that are curious, share with them, build them, and continue to build your relationship. You allow more room inside of you for these new things, these new things that are ahead that you're not experiencing at the time. 100% Giovanni, I agree. And I, you know, I there is a bit of secret sauce, let's, let's admit it, but you know, um, but, but we can make it easier and technology has improved. As an example, 
Many of these meeting rooms want to use the ceiling microphones. You know, I've been in this industry for a very long time, and I remember talking people out of that because laws of physics, you want to be closer to a microphone, right? The better people sound, et cetera. But we've adapted because technology has gotten better, and we have a lot of flex spaces, furniture changes, et cetera. And we've been able to kind of come up with a happy medium from the perfect secret sauce, you know, is it ideal of what a broadcaster would want to have in an all-hands meeting, you know, et cetera? No. No. But can we make it easy so that we can accommodate the challenge at that, at that site of the movable furniture and so on? So mm -hmm. I believe that um, we have to let go of the job security, find a way to come together and find these areas of compromise. So is a ceiling microphone as good as, you know, being right on a microphone? No, never will be, et cetera. No. But can we make some compromises understanding the use case and the challenges these user ha users have? Yeah, totally. mm -hmm. And I think that what the one last thing is, I think, uh, you know, in that scenario, our secret sauce, our knowledge is when do when do we, based on the use case, use the ceiling microphone versus the handheld microphone? We shouldn't be worried about talking about what IP address we're running or what network switch we're using. We have this inherent knowledge that an IT guy doesn't want to know or care about that. That's why we're there is to help them out with those things. Right. Exactly. The one thing about, about what Giovanni said is, is an old instructor of mine um, counseled me as I started teaching 20 years ago. He said, you want to be you want to be immortal? You go and teach everything you know to these kids over here because your knowledge and what you know is going to li live on to them long after you're dead. And if you teach them to teach, then that's another generation that what you know and, and your, your knowledge will continue <laughs> on. So. Interesting you said that because one of the things I tell every student, the only thing you owe me is to teach what I shared with you to another person. That's it. hundred percent. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Pay it forward. All right. Uh, last story here uh, comes to us from our friends over at Sound and Communications looking at staying safe during COVID, specifically about the house of worship market. Uh, it was a very interesting uh, article. Um, and I want to point out the fact that it's, you know, um, David Lee Jr., who, who writes a lot for Sound of Communications, has a, a real big um, handle on the house of worship market. And, and this is a, a market that, you know, when it comes to COVID and staying safe, number one, they got nailed. Just like every other events, live events uh, industry, churches by and large, and I'm not, this is not being sacrilegious here, but I go to, you know, my own here local church, they are a live events, you know, production right? Yep. Yes, the, 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 the scriptures are read and, and, and depending, it, it doesn't matter what denomination you are, or what religion you are. If you're, if you're doing, going to a house of worship, a place of, 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 of religion, there are scriptures being read by and large. And there are, you know, sometimes there's music. So there are production, there's a, there's a microphone, there's a connection, there's distribution there. There are speakers, right? Um, again, depending on where you're at, there's lighting. They, when, when they, when the U S at least got locked down, um, you know, they were told they couldn't have services. And so they had, you know, they, they, a lot of them did live streaming. Uh, some of them did it well. Some of them did not so well, <laughs> you know, it depends on where you're at, <laughs> but as they started to come back, they had another challenge. These are all volunteers by and large. Again, this, these are the broad stroke statements here. So as volunteers, you are sharing instruments, you are sharing headphones, you are sharing, if you got some sort of in-ear system, a lot of times, sometimes, you're sharing in-ear systems, which is kind of gross, but whatever. Um, and you're also sharing microphones, right? 
Um, one of the biggest carriers, and this is this is not a COVID statement. This is a straight up just health statement. One of the biggest areas uh, when I was still volunteering in, in our audio department uh, at my local church was was making sure that we sanitized the the wireless mics because you know depending on who you are depends on how close you use the mic and you are you know coughing and whatever else you know on, on the microphone that will pass on to the next person. Now you put that in COVID, this article really kind of grabbed me. And Corey, I want to start with you on this. As you guys are talking with at QSC and is talking with your dealers, but also uh, a lot of your, your end users are houses of worship. What you, when you start talking to them about getting back into service and getting back into, into the, the string of things, what are some of the areas that, that kind of you guys can, you know, share again, share your knowledge about what you're seeing other people do to make sure that, that the volunteers are safe, but also that, that the congregation is safe and you know, all of the people that are on stage using these, these, uh, these uh, equipment is. So um, first of all, what we can do and, and what we will do is um, share the information we're gaining by articles such as this. I had never seen an article that went so in depth about what a house of worship was doing. And I really applaud uh, him for writing it in, in such depth and going into such detail. So, you know, at QSC, we have, you know, mixers and, you know, people, you know, people touching, needing to touch the mixer and how to clean that and without damaging the equipment. I think all of us manufacturers, when we know somebody's going to be touching something, we need to be offering our best practices so that they're not voiding the warranty or, or damaging the equipment. Um, you know, and we know that this virus is spread through droplets, etc. And in a house of worship where music is such a huge part of the experience, and to Tim's point, people sharing the microphone, the fact that what they're doing to sanitize the screen and isolate this particular uh, accessory just to that particular person who will be using it, you know, I mean, I was honestly, Tim, when reading it, I just I would kind of first I went, oh, you know, okay, is it going to be the typical hand sanitizer, social distancing? Mm -hmm. but this went so in depth and it was so well done. I was really enlightened by it. And I think us manufacturers, QSC and all of us, any of our devices where people are touching in an event, we need to be giving them guidance on uh, best practices to, to clean and not void the warranty <laughs> and, yeah. and to help them avoid some of the uh, trial and error situations. Yeah, absolutely. Giovanni, same kind of question is, is whether it's a house of worship or it's a corporate environment or it's an education, how do you kind of lay out to, to, to your clients, you know, these are the best practices, this is what you should do to make sure that your equipment stays sanitized at, throughout, throughout different uses? You just have to have a conversation. <laughs> you, you just, when, if, you're, if you're providing the equipment and you're putting these um, items in, in place for them, when it's time for you to do your training, on how to use the equipment, you just have to share that information. I was really, that article to me was actually a really good article. And in reading it, I was thinking to myself, how many places have never practiced any of what he wrote? You know, in places I've been to over the years, you know? So reading that article, it just gave me another level of, you know, if he's explaining that, it's okay to talk about this. And we need to be able to share this with clients up front. 
Because it's important. It's for the safety of their staff. Why wouldn't they want to have that information? And I think we want to encourage our clients to share it with their base, right? So because, you know, you know, houses of worship are about community and building, building our community and wanting to feel safe. And when people are aware of the the precautions that an organization is taking, how thoughtful they're being, uh, keeping, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, safety f- top of mind, I, we, we need to just keep pushing that down to even the members that are walking in. And even by having those conversations with our clients, that says something about us. Yeah. Oh, you, you care about me. That's, that's the first thing that's going to come into their mind. Oh, you really care about me and what I'm doing and how long these devices will live. Thank you. It'll be appreciated. I really, it was a very good article. The details were, it, it was great. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. Now, you know, in, in my world, you wipe down a screen and you're kind of done, right? Because everything that I do is all in one. It's pretty easy. But when we get into these production environments and microphones, wired, wireless, absolutely. Some of the things that they were doing to keep, to get things clean were pretty amazing. You know, I look at uh, some of the other industries that have had taken on this role. You know, the governor of the state of New York very clearly says, we sanitize the subways every night in New York City. We used to not know how to clean a subway in New York City. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they had a big learning curve to go from one to the other. And, you know, you look at that environment, a lot of nooks and crannies, a lot of things that are there. Um, and the one thing that they've been successful with, as well as the airlines, is they're using UV light to, to, through certain spaces to clean stuff up. And I think it would be interesting, certainly somebody in the AV space to see how UV light cleans. Maybe it would be quicker and easier to do something like that in a production environment than soaking a microphone in alcohol for 12 hours. Yeah. Well, it also, right? it also there might be other ways to get people back going. Yeah. And to Corey's point, that also might be using the, the UV light also might help not void the warranty, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, too. Definitely the um was what's great. So the ups I try to look for the positive and and anything, even with the challenges we're facing. And what I would say that with the challenges we are facing today, the one thing that has surfaced is cleanliness. With with many cultures, with different people, with different people from walks of different lives, because some people culturally they may take care of themselves a certain way, but with everything that has happened, this has put hygiene on the forefront. So if you weren't aware of it before, you're aware of it now. And that to me is definitely a plus on a global level. And the PSA announcement I'd like to make is our personal devices, our phones, clean them frequently. <laughs> I honestly don't know when the last time I did that, Corey. So, but my PSA. Case, so. All right. That'll do it for us. Thank you all so much. Giovanni Agamani, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. How do people get a hold of you or Art Media Corp? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn, Giovanni Agramanti. Hit me through there and um, I'll reply to you and any information I need to send you about Art Media, I'll get it to you. All right. Very good. Mr. Silverstein, thank you, sir. Oh, by all means. It's always fun to be here. All right. How do people get a hold of you or D10? Of course, you can you can find me on LinkedIn and David Silberstein, obviously. D10 is uh, d10.com and the Twitter, I'm d10dave. Right. And last but not least, Corey Schaefer from QSC. Thank you, ma'am. 
Hey, thanks for having me and great to be on with Giovanni and David. Nice to see you guys. Um, you can find me Corey.Schaefer at QSC.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and you can find me on the Twitters. All right. Very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on, uh, on the Twitters because at this point uh, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, the 9th of October, and I am trolling uh, Craig McCormick from uh, Commercial Integrator because the Bears beat the, the Bucks last night, <laughs> meaning that they beat Tom Brady. So, uh, But go by the website if you would, please, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others, uh, including our weekly uh, residential program hosted by my buddy Matt Scott. Also, while you're there, check out our, our uh, underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all others. And uh, QSC is one of those. So we thank them for their support. One thing that's interesting, that interesting, it's, it's kind of cool that came down uh, the pipeline this week is that we are teaming up with the folks at Future and, and System Contractors News, SCN, my buddy Megan Detta over there in AV Technology for a, uh, a new event. December 10th uh, is the events one day. You'll get to get a bunch of uh, CTSRUs. You'll get to see me moderate some panels on AV over IP and networked. Uh, audio. Uh, you'll get to see Megan uh, do uh, the same. Uh, we'll have a really great um, a, a keynote. Uh, so we'll, you can check that out. You can go to the website, avnetworknation.com. And that's the name of the, of the event, AV Network Nation. AV Network is their website. AV Nation obviously is ours. So you can check that out at avnetworknation.com. So sign up for that and we'll see you on December 10th, or we'll see you, uh, you know, when you listen to the next uh, AV Nation podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. Mm -hmm.